I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. What a stop! Just for Ben! Jordan Henderson! I mean, that sort of stuff, it's been... We're, be- we're bigger than that. That interview was just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, say something. We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up. When we finally turn it over. Welcome, 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 welcome. That's half the podcast field. Welcome, welcome. It is the Friday Football Podcast. A team on duty today. Adrian Barry. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I have to introduce you as well. Nathan Murphy's alongside me. How's it going, Adrian? And we also have no one else because people haven't bothered uh, the backsides to turn up. It's the News Talk Podcast where people couldn't give a shit. Is the essence yeah. of what's happening. Well, Dave McIntyre is on holidays. He is on official holidays. Yeah. Uh, so he's allowed not be here. You know, he's cleared it with management. Has it's he? management that is the problem. Yeah. This is a good. This is a good point you raise. Um, so yeah, look, it's myself and Nathan uh, with you this afternoon. How are you keeping, Nathan? Are you good? I'm good. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to the weekend. What's going on in your world? Trick or treating. Really? Yeah. Ah. This evening. That's the main. You dressing plan. up? Certainly not. Really? Why not? Because I do you not get a funny look if I turn up at my neighbor's doors dressed dressed up at six o'clock in the evening? Do you not normally do that? <laughs> I dr- I turn up dressed, <laughs> not dressed up. Um, I saw a lot of people tweeting pictures of I uh, carved pumpkins at various sort of yeah. skill levels. Most of them not the most amazing skill levels, it has to be said. Uh, but the one thought I had uh, for years, I've been kind of thinking, oh, that's great. Look at the kids have gone in there and they've done a really good job in that pumpkin. I mean, the kids have literally nothing to do with these pumpkins. These are... No, it's a chance for the parents yeah. to, to show off. You've dressed up already, have you? <laughs> hey, you've been thinking about that one all week. Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, Again. thanks very much. It's my denim shirt, I presume, is what you're getting yeah, at here. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, I'm not in great form, but the coffee machine is broken. Oh, you could just buy one in the 20 yeah. coffee shops right outside the front door. If I hadn't come in at 20 minutes past 1 o'clock for a half past 1 podcast, that might well have been possible. Yeah. But I had 10 minutes of prep to do in that you time. You should have been like me here bright and early. Really? Quite a best one. <laughs> as long as it's here for you. In fairness, you were here, but you were like pacing around doing quizzes of uh, Google Google Map I of was. various stadiums. I was. And you, and you passed with flying, flying colours, I believe. Well, I got 10 out of 20. That's shit. There was all the lower grounds, I was split 50-50. I knew all the ones I'd been to, yeah. which was a good start. Um, but there's a lot of League One, Championship Clubs, Championship Are they 2014 grounds. photographs? See, I'm not quite sure they are. And also, they're taken from funny angles. Mm. So it's not like a... It's not a Google Maps view from the top. They're deliberately trying to deceive you, yes, is what they you're are. saying. Actually, I did get one wrong. I won't, I got the Emirates well, wrong. Well, you got ten wrong. I got, by, the Emirates, I got the Emirates wrong, even though I've been there many times. Mm. Uh, or was it the Etihad? One of them. And I was like, <laughs> there's no... There's uh, two sets of flats. And I was like, no, I've been there and I've never seen those. Yeah. Do you want to tweet a link to that from your account? I will so people tweet a link. To, like, you know, kind of blindly you can talking about something that the four people who downloaded the podcast have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Yep. So uh, do let us know uh, at Nathan Murph, right? Yeah, at yeah. Nathan Murph and shower me with abuse. Yeah, and uh, shower him with followers as well. He does a bit of that action. I've been getting a lot of stick actually with the, uh, the well, crappy I'm quiz. I'm doing all right. Of late. <laughs> you're doing okay. I don't need to be as I'm all right, desperate I'm all right as you. With my lord. In fairness, yeah, that's that's a fair point in many respects, Nathan. But um, let's crack on with the football chat. Yeah. Um, and 
yeah, the, the a lot of lot of interesting stories doing the, doing the uh, rounds this week. Roy uh, being in the jungle. Uh, clearly not really one of them. Uh, I didn't see the newspapers today, but well, I did see some of the tweets last night where it was... News, some newspapers were claiming that he was actually going to star, sign up for it. The English star, bizarrely, had the headline, Roy in the jungle. And also had a quote saying, from Roy, there's more to life than football. Yeah. Roy's going in the jungle. And I'm thinking, did I not just read the interview where this came from, where he specifically said, I'm not going I met the with jungle. them and I'm not going in the jungle, yeah. which is what every other paper has. Yeah. This was this uh, shortlist uh, magazine that did the the Roy Keane. It was, a, it was a pretty interesting piece. The lads talked about it in good detail in the football show last night as well. Check that out uh, on News Talk. Do you know what I enjoyed from that piece? Yeah. I en- he was asked about Adrian Childs. Yeah. And he said, I like Adrian Childs. But it wasn't it, like the two of them went to an All Ireland hurling yeah. final at one point. They're quite clear. Like he's quite clearly not inviting Adrian Childs to a hurling final if he thinks he's an asshole. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's well, another like, one of those things that people presume they know Roy Keane. Yeah. Whereas they don't at all. You see, I think the more Roy Keane talks about Roy Keane, the more interested in Roy Keane that people become. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Like he's he's kind of saying that oh, I don't really court the limelight. And I don't. But it's because of all these things that make him so interesting. Well, if we were given an interview, out with if, and Dean. if if Roy Keane was here now and we were given half an hour, and and I was to go, Adrian, do you know what I want to ask him? I want to ask him what the last movie he went to see was. You'd be like, no. We've got Roy Keane for half an hour. Why would you ask him such a stupid question? It's a fair point. And then point. you ask him that and yeah. he gives this yeah. incredible answer. It is a fair point. And it's the exact thought I had actually when 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 reading that piece yesterday because the interviewer kind of at various points jumped from one topic, just hopped from one building to another without any great thread and that was absolutely fine. I suppose you've got to give him the opportunity to... You've got to give the op- the conversation the opportunity to go down those routes. He, like he, he was... That was something he thought about. That wasn't... This wasn't like... Oh, as soon as you've asked me, I'm just going to throw this out there. Like he's quite, quite clearly spent a bit of time thinking about this whole thing. Yeah, I'd imagine when he went back to the Ireland Team Hotel in Port Marnock that evening, everybody got it. Whoever yeah. was stuck beside Roy at the dinner table, and I can't imagine there's a long queue to sit beside him <laughs> at the dinner table. Oh, was I can getting imagine. It in you here. don't think? I'd imagine it's uh, maybe it's slightly different if it's the kind of management player relationship. But I would think people would be. I, I'd be in that queue. I'd definitely be in that queue. Yeah, but not if you were playing under him. Yeah, I maybe suspect. that's a fair point. Yeah. Okay. Look, speaking of like you know the idea that uh, somebody's actually gone and thought about something, let's talk about the fixtures this weekend. Um, our own two fixtures on Sunday afternoon are Manchester City up against Manchester United, and this one is Dave McIntyre and Stephen Reid. Uh, half past one, uh, kick off on Sunday, and then Nathan, uh, yourself, and Stephen Ward are at Villa Park. My first visit to Villa Park. I'm looking forward to it. I'm nearly there at all 20 Premier League grounds. So looking yeah. forward to getting to Villa Park. Yeah, Villa against Spurs. Seen quite a lot of Spurs. I'm going to be seeing quite a lot of Spurs over the next few weeks. Yeah, um, exciting times. Ward. Well, exciting times, unless you're a Spurs fan, because they're terrible. Yeah, we'll get into all those. Uh, well, in fact, we will start with the Manchester Derby. Sure, why not? It's the biggest game of the weekend. It is. And it's an interesting one as well for many different reasons. Uh, so it is at half one on Sunday. And reading some Joe Hart quotes in the last while, everyone just needs to calm down, relax, take it easy. We've got Manchester City. Have got this. It's not the great panic that everybody thinks it is. And my main thought about was that uh, Joe Hart is a wise man to be saying those sort of things because himself not all that sure of his position. Uh, he seems more sure of his position this season than last season. Last season he was very much dropped for well, Panteleimon. Yeah. Whereas this season Caballero seems to have been brought in as backup, mm. and he's only getting the odd game. Now, if Joe Hart loses form completely again he will be dropped but at the moment he seems to be doing a reasonable job and is still assured of being the City goalkeeper I don't necessarily agree with him because 
Chelsea have started the season at such a relentless pace mm. that City could be could be out of it by the time they hit any form. Yeah, it's difficult to know, and it's I, I think, and it kind of taps into the point that a lot of those teams around Chelsea are not necessarily, and we might talk about the idea that Southampton and West Ham are in the top four, and that it's no great surprise. And actually, there might be an argument that they could stay there for a little while. But just to stick on the Manchester Derby for the minute, City on a um, winless run of three games now, which is a big thing in the life of Manchester City. But the worrying thing for me is that winless run has come against powerhouses like West Ham, Newcastle and CSK, CSKA Moscow. Like This is, I would say this is a concern for Manuel Pellegrini. And and also, when you, when you think about the manager... His personality was the thing that was kind of lauded last year. It was exactly the sort of personality that Manchester needed at that point. Uh, Manchester City needed at that point in their uh, in their evolution. They had lost the uh, the Premier League the season before, and perhaps this is exactly what they needed: this sort of pragmatic presence. Maybe Manuel Pellegrini is now not what Manchester City need. Well, if Jose Mourinho's in charge of this side, you presume they win the league mm. because he doesn't let them sit back and relax. Chelsea would give them a, a, a Chelsea without Jose Mourinho. Would still with that I, with, with that with that group of players, I think. No no needless to say he's responsible for assembling most of that group. Um I think that gives them gives them a good bash. But most teams reflect their manager and Pellegrini is very understated. It's what as you say, it's what they needed. But now the players just seem to be sitting in a comfort zone. And all three of those defeats, two 0 up against CSKA with no crowd there really, mm. took their foot off the gas and this has been them all season just cruising through thinking well we'll get paid 200 grand a week obviously we're great footballers who are West Ham we'll just turn up we'll win whereas West Ham are going there thinking with the whole Alex Ferguson speech it's only Spurs going and going lads these City players don't want to be kicked they don't want to be got at I, see, I, I, I'm not sure about the, the, the complacency point of view, ultimately, is what you're making about Manchester City. It's just West Ham. Like, everything that we perceive to believe about them, and there was that documentary last year where we got this great insight. Well, sorry, we got some insight into what it is that makes Manchester City tick. And certainly my impressions out of that, you know, in, in the context of it being a documentary, were that they were actually a pretty grounded group. They've got a word for the, uh, for the dorm when they come in. It seems like it doesn't. It didn't strike me as a sort of club. Is the point I'm trying to get at? Yeah, that are, are that likely to be complacent? What player in particular stood out in that? Vincent Company. Vincent Company. Yeah, yeah. See, Vincent Company, he, he's he's like a great actor. You know, he always knows where the camera is. For a documentary well, like har- that, this is harsh. He, Vincent like, Company. Whatever, everything but you watch I've read him during him. a game. Watch him during a game. Every time he makes a mistake, or if there's, if they concede a goal, he's the one with the over-the-top reaction, throwing himself to the ground because he knows the camera will be on him. But maybe oh, he's look just how really, much it means yeah, to me. Yeah, maybe he's just really hurt. No, I don't believe him. I do. Lo- I do. I also think he's slightly overrated. Um, this is quite the character uh, assassination on Vincent Company here, and let's let's peel it all back a little bit because there are. I mean, you you, you can read about Vincent Company quite readily. And he seems to be. He does come across as a very nice a, a guy. A very nice guy who does a lot of a lot of a lot of things outside of the usual sort of footballers uh, spiel that don't necessarily need to be done that aren't necessarily all that well documented to some degree. No, you see the thing with Vincent Company is he makes sure everything is documented. <laughs> He's you, you know about work. all the, you know all about all well, these well, things no, he does. We know about because some they've of them. been doc. No, we know about all of them because oh, I don't like to talk about it. Well, ultimately, but, we don't know if we know about all of them. That's really the point. We can say that about anyone. But so, so is that a bad thing that Vincent Company goes to the equivalent of the Capuchin Centre in Manchester City Centre and brings a bunch of press people with him and makes makes people aware of a worthy charity? I, I no, would think it's that not. Was, no, of course that's not a bad thing. But there's a there's an implication that 
Yaya Toure doesn't do that. Just because maybe, perhaps Yaya Toure donates a huge amount of his wages every week. He just doesn't need to bring the press with him. He doesn't yeah, need to send I it. I don't know that he does, but I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that he doesn't. But what I am saying is, if there were more... And, and is it Stephen Naismith who is... I need, to, I need to do a bit more work on this, and we'll have this conversation again about him, who spends a lot of time with homeless people yeah. in Liverpool and gives, gives, uh, tic- gives tickets, tickets every week to, to the job centre. To, to the job centre, yeah. Um, I, like, I, I, would, I don't know, and I suspect it's not the case, that a lot of footballers are like that. And I think if more were like Vincent Company, that's a pretty good place to I'm not to surprised you like Vincent Company. Go on. Misery loves company. <laughs> Boom! Oh! <laughs> We can end the podcast right here. That's it. It's never going to get any better than that. Is your character assassination of Vincent Company any deeper than you're feeling that ultimately he it's courts he courts the limelight and it's, he's acting a little in bit. a subtle way? In yeah, I think he's acting a little bit, and I also think he makes a lot of mistakes. He gets he gets dragged towards the possession. Mm-hmm. He and that happens a lot. He leaves the centre back partner by himself, and then Mangala or Dimichelis is always the one who will receive the criticism. That company's a very good player. And he's also trying to take some level of responsibility, I would think. And that probably, in some ways, respects, maybe is a thing, and it's not the position to be doing it, is the thing that drags him towards the ball, maybe. Perhaps. Perhaps he's trying too hard, mm. that he's trying to do the job of two players. But a player of his experience, he's 28 now, you need to be doing your job, sitting back, and working as a four-man defence. And does he inspire the players around him? The way they've played over the last few weeks says no. Mm. That they're not listening to him. That he's not he's not the John Terry. He's not the Nemanja Vidic. He's not the heartbeat of this team. It's an interesting point. I I, I don't have enough evidence to uh, suggest anything to the to the country, particularly in light of recent results, obviously. But certainly the vibe that you get off him is that he may well be. The other thing about the other thing about all this is after our our well your character assassination <laughs> of Vincent Company there, the. Um, Contrast to managers as well, the the idea that we're talking about a guy who is maybe the epitome of the flexible manager in, in world football, the guy who is happy enough in the World Cup to mix it up a little bit according to the various injuries that he picks up at various times and he's shown the capacity to that at club level as well at uh, Alkmaar in Barcelona 4-3-3 before in, uh, going 4-4-2 and then a different formation again at Bayern and maybe to a fault in some respects has mixed things up a bit at United as well, Louis van Gaal uh, but again, maybe cutting his cloth a little bit and doesn't have a fully fit squad of players and maybe that shape will become a bit clearer when all those players are available. And a manager who, I'm playing this style, it doesn't matter what players I have, it doesn't matter if we continue to lose, I'm sticking with it and things are going to come right. You see, I don't know what Manchester City's style is this season. Yeah, the well, one... shape-wise it's it's four four two or four two two two. Yeah, and they've got a big problem on Sunday now. David Silva's out. Hmm. So... Samir Nasri can come in and Nasri in general is the type of guy who the bigger the game the better he plays he's very comfortable in that sort of match Mm. but Silva and Aguero have such a good partnership and we saw Silva against Spurs the goal he scored there what he can do so missing him gives United a far greater chance the problem with City is they are happy to let the other team have the ball this could be a brilliant game on Sunday this could easily be another classic Manchester derby a 3-all a 4-3 a last minute Michael Owen 96 minute goal with obviously Michael Owen not scoring it Mm. because City always let the opposition have the ball and play a bit whereas Chelsea Mourinho what he wants from his side is don't give the opposition an inch don't even give them a hope beat them before it's over yeah or before it started even how do you see it going Uh, 2-all 
Ah, that's not a bad prediction. I reckon, uh, yeah, something similar, maybe one all. Uh, City and United, not the most amazing defences in the world. It will be live and off the ball. The game is over. My wife doesn't know the result. Well, she will know it come sort of 20 past three uh, on Sunday afternoon. Man City against Man United. Dave will be there with Stephen Reid. You'll be at Villa Park, as we mentioned. What, why, why should the listeners come and listen to Aston Villa against Tottenham? Well, Adrian, I mean, apart this from voice, yourself and Stephen Ward. This voice just attracts the listeners on a weekly basis. No, no, we're looking for something tangible here, Nathan. This is Well, surely it's Aston Villa who haven't scored in five matches. Okay, now I'm looking for reasons that... Because it's going to turn. It's And Spurs... This is the Sean Dyche uh, mode of keep telling them it's going to turn and it will turn. Well, it's good. Yeah, and this is the perfect game. Spurs are the team you want to be playing. And from Spurs' point of view, you don't really want to be going to Villa Mm. because they're on such a bad run of form. The Spurs fans are going there thinking, well, everyone else can beat them. I think that's a good. T- I I do think I do think I understand your point. That's, clearly, I understand your you're, point. You're, but you're, I'd rather be going to Aston Villa on a shit run of form than if they'd like beaten all around them over the last little while. Spurs are enjo- Spurs are enjoyable to watch again because they have. Well, I, I really enjoy watching Chadley, Lamella, and Eriksson. Yeah, I think if they had a striker who could actually score twenty five goals a season. Oh, I read a stat about Eriksson today. I was just about to write it down. I thought oh, that's nonsense, but actually, on the context of what you're saying, it was something to do with them. Having the most passes, but being the least creative with them. Something well, like he that. hasn't he's set up a goal. Last season, he set up eight goals. A lot of crosses, but no assists. Yeah, he's no assists so yeah, far this season. Yeah. But 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 as the, like the most crosses or some some. The problem last week, and Stephen Hunt touched on this, was Adebayor is brilliant when he runs between the lines. Yeah. But Spurs have three player between three players between the lines already. Mm. That's where Chadley, Lamella, and Eriksson all play. And they're all brilliant there. And they can all... So put Harry Kane in the team. Like this, well, this We had this conversation question. last weekend. Yeah. Put Harry Kane... I couldn't believe it. We, we, had, we had talked last weekend and we had Stephen Hunt on commentary and I was doing a bit of prep beforehand. And I thought everything I did, like Harry Kane had scored a hat-trick in the week during, uh, before that. And I thought, right, Harry Kane is clearly going to start this game. He's got to start him. He, they, up, up to last weekend, their uh, recognised strikers had scored a combined one league goal between them. And well, it wasn't Harry Kane that he scored, but he had scored a hat trick. He was high in confidence, seemed like Gaudio had to put in, and all of a sudden he's on the bench again. He's benched. But as Mauricio Pochettino said after the match, he was asked about Harry Kane. Why is he starting? Well, at half time, you're all saying I was a genius because Adebayor had scored the goal. Well, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. That makes I'm sorry. Well, he was right. Adebayor games scored. Yeah, but games don't end at half time. Like I mean. If as as Brady says in that infamous clip that she's an off the ball, that if my auntie had the old, she'd be my uncle. This podcast, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, well, I like to try and keep a bit of decorum about things. Yeah, Harry Kane scored again during the week. That's eight goals, none in the league. None in the league. But, but he's yet but, to start also, a league game. This is the point. Um, another interesting point made by John Bruin on I think ESPN. Yeah. This week, um, that Pochettino made his name with a Southampton team essentially who wanted to prove themselves that they were out to they were the underdogs every game. And all of a sudden people started to admire them and it became this really bonded group. And now he finds himself at a Tottenham team, um, despite the clear limitations with them as well, who just aren't really that eager to push themselves. Well, the quote that's going to be thrown back at them again and again is that Roy Keane, Alex Ferguson, pre-match team talk. Yeah. Lads, it's Spurs. And everybody knew what Roy Keane was talking about so and what Alex Ferguson was so talking about. So can Pochettino change if he's given time? You need time, to change an entire philosophy time, of the club. Can he? Cha- is can Pochettino change that? Well, if he's given time, but there's nothing to suspect that he will be given time. I mean, I mean, you could argue that you could argue that 
I mean, Harry Redknapp could have, could have done it to a degree, maybe did it to a degree. I, I think you could argue that Wanda Ramos was never going to do it. You could probably argue that AVB was never going to do it. Tiger Tim was probably never going to do it. Yeah, there's a major problem throughout the club. They have a lot of nice players. There's no Eunice Kabul is captain. Again, Stephen Hunt was questioning it last week. Eunice Kabul is a good defender, but he fancies himself as more than that. Yo, mm. Eunice Kabul, when he actually has to do his job, he won every header last week. Um, his, he was getting back. He was making his clearances. But he can't just leave it at that. Yunus yeah. Kabul wants to be Ricardo Carvalho or Rio Ferdinand. He's bringing the ball out of the fence. And every time he gets it, he loses the ball. Yeah. So surely Pochettino's like, stop doing that. Yeah. But does he say it? Does anyone listen? The players just seem to do what they want. Go where they want. I think Villa might win this one. Oh, really? Yeah. What are you going for? 5-4. Uh, <laughs> do tune in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look at me when I talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, look at me when I talk to you. Villa Spurs, it's our second live game. Nathan and Stephen Ward will be there. Interesting stat ahead of this game. Go ahead. I was just... Ryan Mason was probably Spurs' best player last week uh, at home to Newcastle. He's 23. Uh, He made his debut six years ago in a UEFA Cup match. So he's a good, young English player. 23. He's Mm. not that young. Christian Eriksen's 22. Ryan Mason has played nine shall we call them, senior games. He's been on loan of places, but top flight games. He's 23. Yeah. Christian Eriksen is 22, has played 250. That's a lot of games. Between Denmark, Ajax and Spurs. Yeah. Are you just offloading this stat because you feel you may not get an opportunity no, to use I'm it the definitely, weekend? No, I'm just saying that this is a huge problem for English yeah. football, that Ryan Mason, who has been one of their most promising young talents for years, mm. there's just no way for them to get into the side. Um, yeah, Villa, Spurs... You'll get that stat again. <laughs> in various, various. You don't crises. want to talk about that. You don't want to talk we about the dire state Ward. of English football. Uh, we I don't. We really, we really don't have time to do that. We might do it again. We probably won't. But let's put it out there on the fence that we made it. But we haven't spoken to Stephen Ward since Germany, have we? Uh, no. All right. We might do that on Sunday. Oh, we could look ahead to Scotland. We've got Stephen Ward for the next two weeks. We've got his company for yeah. the next two weeks. So we can, we've got a lot to talk Let's do about. Germany this week and then Scotland, Scotland the next week. That, that yeah, would kind of make sense, wouldn't it? Don't want to shoot your load too early. You really do not. The, the podcast where you, get, you literally get away with whatever what whatever's going on. Should we put the, should should there be some sort of a, like a censorship warning before the, I don't know is that, is that a, a thing that's done in podcasts? I don't think like so. Like people who actually make proper podcasts. Is that what they do? We should really? we should probably ask we should do. probably ask people. If only there were some people who we could turn to for such advice <laughs> uh, Saturday uh, quarter to one uh, is the first game and it's pretty interesting as well by the way it's Newcastle against Liverpool I should mention we'll be uh, discussing these topics and various other topics uh, on Off the Ball this weekend uh, two to six and uh, included in our output on Saturday will be the Dundalk captain Stephen O'Donnell after a pretty amazing season it has to be said he'll be on the panel um, alongside a couple of Ga boys butcher I mean there's nobody who follows football who follows Ga surely Really? Uh, yeah, there is. Uh, Dermot Early and Andy Moran. And yeah. Andy Moran was a pretty slick soccer player back let's in not, the day. Let's, let's not get into my OJA. And Just saying. The other thing is that we are going to have John Anderson yeah. from uh, St. James's Park following Newcastle against Liverpool. He's in commentary there for BBC and he's going to hang around for an hour. He isn't going to chat to us. He, John sees everybody because he commentates in every Newcastle match yeah. uh, up and down the country, up and down... Uh, England, so he gets a chance to see every single team throughout the season. So he he really knows the stuff on this. And mm. he was at I was talking to him last weekend at White Hart Lane at Newcastle against Spurs, and quite a turnaround for Newcastle heading Massive. into this game. Well, I mean, was it was it was it last Sunday that we spoke? We had the conversation about Alan Pardew and 
the continuing conversation of when is he actually going to get the boot. Yeah, and the supporters having turned to such an extent that they were almost hoping they would lose games yeah. so that Alan Pardew uh, would get the sack. I just think that's shit. I'm sorry. It's shit, but that's supporting... Like, it was like the Steve Staunton thing with Ireland. Oh, I really hope we... Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Get a grip on yourselves. Once, when we got that Nonsense. equaliser against Cypress at Crow Park, we went, ah, oh, no. Did we really? No, we didn't. I did. Really? Yeah. Why? Because Why? we all knew which way it was going. Yeah, but I mean, you can't hope for your team to be beaten. I mean, like, that is fundamentally wrong. But when like, any point you're working nothing, back from there... At that stage, it meant nothing. Uh, you just, like, it doesn't matter. You really can't be, like, wanting the, op- the opposition to beat your team. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, But look, a draw, a petty a, vendetta a draw against at the manager. home to Cyprus is a terrible result that gets... There's no benefit to it at all. We're already out of the running. Clearly, clearly everybody wants wanted Steve Staunton to be gone from the job at that point it's, it's, it, there's still a, a very large difference between wanting him yeah. gone <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's my entire argument this is the game uh, Newcastle-Liverpool that always turns up a lot of goals however it kind of seems that this, is, this, this, could, this could very easily be a nil-nil well this could be the game where it all turns for Mario he got his goal mm-hmm. during the week yeah um, yeah it's so so okay. So what's what what sort of shape are Liverpool going to take here? Is it is it Balotelli up front on his own still? Does Sterling come up alongside him? Brendan Rodgers must now be getting. I mean, you know, Sturridge's been out for a few weeks. He must now, and he's had Balotelli as his main guy for the last little while. He must now beginning to get a, to start to begin to get a steer on what sort of shape his team takes. I don't think he does because if he does the right thing this weekend, he'll play Balotelli and Barini up front, and again he'll have to. Whether he, will he play Barini? I, I don't understand Brendan Rodgers' management style a lot of the times. How he tried to get rid of Skirtle. Skirtle's now linchpin of that defence. Looked to get rid of Henderson. Henderson's arguably his most important player now. Barini, At what point did he look to get rid of Henderson? He wanted to get rid of Henderson two years ago. Right. Just didn't fancy him. Yeah. Henderson, much like Barini, wouldn't leave. Wanted to stay. And also came out on leaps and bounds when Stephen Gerrard got injured last year. Yeah, but also I was growing anyways in stature mm. and was becoming more and more confident. But Barini is a player who we know can score Premier League goals. But also Balotelli needs somebody up front with him. Somebody who'll do the running. And Barini will do that. Ricky Lambert won't do it. Sterling will do it. He will, but you lose... You obviously lose something with Sterling if you're playing him that far forward. Mm. It, it could work if you play Sterling and if Sterling is ready for that position and has the discipline for that position... You know, he has a habit of getting dragged deep, wanting the ball. Whereas if you're playing two up front, Barini is just another goal scorer who's going to hang. And you put a bit of pressure on the opposition defence. You don't let them come forward. I'd like to see him play Barini and Balotelli and see what happens from there. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a fair point. I just kind of feel that Brendan Rodgers... I did a bit of reading. I, was, I found myself, you know, you know, sometimes you're doing research for these games or reading about never. them. Never, you kind of go into a bit of a rabbit hole of wandering down a path that's not necessarily conducive to what exactly we're talking about. My rabbit hole this week was Stuart Downing. Oh yeah. Um, and I think it might have been a feature article that I read about him, and at some point in the article, he said that he wasn't particularly pleased with the treatment that Brendan Rodgers had given him at Liverpool. And so then I started to read, oh, I wonder what these quotes were that were, uh, you know, so damaging to Stuart Downing, who is uh, playing pretty well at uh, West Ham team at the minute, that are doing pretty well. And, yeah, the, well, yeah, Roger slagging, slagging him off publicly, and he didn't appreciate it, was essentially what he was saying. I couldn't re- I have to admit, I did, did do a little bit of 
looking around. I couldn't find any. I mean, outside of he kind of needs to work harder if he wants to be at this club and that general sentiment kind of suggests to me that he was a bit... I don't know why I'm going off this tangent. I actually thought that the reading the Stuart Downing bit, I kind of thought, right, this is going to point to... That this is going to point to greater issues with Brendan Rodgers' management style that actually he doesn't really have. And it comes back to the point that you were making. He doesn't have the capacity to properly deal with players, ultimately. And I mean, that the Henderson thing is an interesting one in that context. It's current one... The Sterling one is maybe a bit of a, an inappropriate one. We got a little bit of an insight into that uh, with the documentary the other uh, the other season, but yeah. So so may, maybe there maybe there are issues with Brendan Rodgers. Maybe he's just not the greatest man manager. Well, Despite Brendan Rodgers wants people to when to he believe. talks to them, he wants them to believe. But when when they look at Brendan Rodgers, he wants them to look at his forehead and see I am great, mm. and that's what they see. And he Brendan wants Rogers to believe Brendan Rodgers. Yes. Yeah. Does he? He doesn't talk about Brendan Rodgers in the third person though. I, I, he strikes me as the sort of person who probably would. I'm not sure that he does, but his ego is kind of out there. It we certainly heard him speak is. We Spanish uh, last week, but uh, are there questions about his man management style? There's questions about everything when you're not playing well. This time last season, or uh, towards the end of last season, we thought Rogers could be one of the great managers of his time. At mm. the start of the season, when we were making predictions, I think my prediction for Liverpool was. But maybe if Rodgers is this managerial genius, we think he comes up with a new style of football that negates the loss of Suarez and Liverpool could be just as good. Yes, That didn't happen. It didn't happen. And John Giles makes the point that ultimately Rodgers built last season. That it's it's quite, a, quite a straightforward point that he built last season around Luis Suarez and ultimately the presence of Luis Suarez, Suarez papered over all the cracks that were in that Liverpool team that we're now beginning to see. Yeah, the problem is still defensively. Steven Gerrard has an interview in uh, the, the Independent mail. today and the Mail mm. and uh, basically blames everybody else mm. for Liverpool's problems and threatens to leave the club if they don't come up with a new contract. I don't think there's any possibility that Steven Gerrard will leave Liverpool at this stage. But well, it, if they don't come up with a new contract, he'll have to leave. What's he going to do? Hang around like a bad smell? He will get a new contract. There's no way Liverpool... He may it's, not get the contract he wants. He may not get another yeah. 150 grand a week. And I don't think he expects that. Now, I have to say, I did read the piece as well, and my main thought was that, well, first of all, why haven't Liverpool actually come forward with some sort of an offer? And and also, like, maybe he's... Right, so his role, his role within the team has become diminished somewhat, right? So his presence in the team has become diminished somewhat. In the context of that Liverpool team, by the way, that's not, not a good thing. But also, that just because it's Steven Gerrard, you completely want him around the place, even though... You're you're trying to you're trying to ultimately find somebody to replace him. You still want him around the place, even if he's not going to be playing every game. You see, if Which you're Brendan Rodgers, do you want Steven Gerrard around the place? We're not in a position like City or Chelsea where the manager notices that we're a little bit short and just goes bang bang two new signings. They they have to be thinking about trying to replace Steven Gerrard. I thought there were a lot of subtle digs at subtle and not so subtle digs at Brendan Rodgers and this how he had. Oh, look, he went to build his team around Luis Suarez and then they sold him. So that's what happens. Maybe yeah. you should have keep get building your side around this guy. You know, the greatest player has ever played for the club. The most interesting quote that I thought from that uh, article was, I think you'll see changes in my game. Uh, Brendan and I have worked some things out. So so ultimately, <laughs> yeah. and, and the, so, so the context of all this is he's talking about this new deep role that he's playing. And over the last little while, he's been man-marked against Aston Villa and against West Ham. And he says he sat down with Brendan Rodgers and he's spoken about how to counteract that if it happens again. And surprisingly, hey presto, it involves Steven Gerrard being much further up the pitch. No, no, no. You see, you you said there that he's not as integral a part of the team. The problem is that he is still Mm. 
an integral part of the team that they were lo- but his powers are not what they used to be ultimately was the point that they're I was not, trying to but, make and, and in the place he's playing where he's still picking the ball up that that is probably the only position he can play now. I still don't think it particularly suits. Well, he's clearly paving Liverpool the way so. for himself to like, like he's he saying, he myself and Brendan, like Brendan and I have worked some things out. Yeah. I.e. I've told Rogers that I'm really not happy playing here, and and he's come up with this this not like this thing that oh well, oh, like Aston Villa and West Ham have figured out how to how to nullify my presence there. The mighty, well, Jose, mighty, Jose finished, figured it out as Jose said a couple of weeks ago. He like was Bonlohor the one who decided to put a player at the match at Anfield at the end yeah. of the last season to put Oscar was it and have him man marking Gerrard and just don't let him start all of Liverpool's moves but they have changed two weeks ago at Loftus Road Emery Chan came in he played as the defensive player Gerrard played further up the pitch and it was one of if not the worst 45 minutes of football I've ever seen Steven Gerrard play right. he couldn't think on his feet he was getting the ball with his back to goal now 30 yards out you're thinking Steven Gerrard mm. just hold it up he'll pick out the right ball now he's looking up, his eyes are moving at one speed, his feet are moving at a completely different speed, and they had to change things just to get Gerard back to his normal position. Because the advantage he has when he's playing at the base of midfield is he has five or six seconds to pick out his ball. Yeah. Which he clearly now needs. And also, I mean, philosophically, just such different positions that does take you a while to get into it. I just thought it was kind of, I thought it was very pointed, oh. the, the comments that he, that he was making. And just that the solution, the solution to all our problems put me back where I was. I don't know. I don't know if I'd buy him. I wouldn't take any notes of that man. Really? No. Uh, right, that is the early game on Saturday. Bunch of games at three o'clock. Let's whittle through some of these pretty quickly. Um, Chelsea QPR is one of the main ones, obviously. Diego Costa has missed uh, Chelsea's last four games. He's back. The feeling over the last little while had been that if Diego Costa could stay fit, Chelsea can win the league and it win it very easily. Actually, they've done all right in his absence. Uh, they've done pretty okay. They've won three and drawn one of those games, a game that quite possibly they really should have won against Manchester United, and including beating Maribor 6-0. Uh, maybe maybe does that do away with the argument if Diego Costa can... I mean, quite clearly they can't do without him for the entire season. No. but they can do without him for a game here and there. I don't think they could get away with it for two, three months. Mm. However, if he was ruled out now for two, three months, they could easily go and sign somebody in January if they wanted to uh, because Remy clearly isn't fully fit and is going to have a lot of problems yeah the, the, the concern I suppose is letting in that late goal to United letting in the late equaliser against Manchester City they still don't have what Mourinho was talking about in recent weeks about that killer instinct of the 2005 team that that team always knew always saw the game out they went and they got the third and fourth goal mm. they killed it off whereas this team seemed to let sides back in for whatever reason it's very un-Chelsea, isn't it? It's it, yeah, it's very un-Mourinho-like yeah. as well. But then he doesn't commit a huge amount of men forward. You know, he would have been if he gets a one-nil win against United last weekend at Old Trafford. Oh, that 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 I've, I sense with Jose Mourinho, that's nearly better than three-nil yeah. for him. But that's a risky game yeah. because Ivanovic gives away a stupid foul, gets sent off last minute. You know, ball bounces about, Van Persie gets the equaliser, and suddenly it's a very different result. Uh, the two most, I think, I think the two most interesting things for me about this game. One of them was that QPR's game plan really seems to be centred around Richard Dunn and Stephen Calker being uh, watertight and completely locking down this uh, Chelsea attack. Yeah, in this game it is. I think. I mean, Harry, I, I, my my point would be that that's quite a flimsy, a quite a flimsy <laughs> discussion to be having. Well, Richard Dunn was great against Villa. He was again good, on, and Stephen Calker was a good player. But I mean, I just don't think that that is really sound. Yeah. Footing. It, well, it's both those players they were playing against, uh, Dunn in particular, Balotelli and Benteke, are big men and it probably suits Richard Dunn mm. 
not the most agile. Benteke's just coming back to fitness. Diego Costa is just going to get in between the two of them and could kill them. And mm-hmm. you've also got Hazard and Oscar and all these guys. Harry Redknapp, I think, has been quite lucky because against Liverpool, he brought Bobby Zamora in almost as a last throw to dice. Let's play a long ball game. And out of that, it turns out, oh, actually, maybe this is the way we should yeah. play all the time. Yeah. Because Zamora was brilliant again for the hour or so he played. Now, I think the problem is that's all he can play mm. is an hour. But long ball forward, he heads it down for Charlie Austin. He heads it down for Fur, Isla, all these guys coming forward. But Chelsea at home against QPR could be 4-5. or five. My last word on this one is one of the key matchups that I read about, uh, you know, which way this game was going to go. You read these various things, you know, this player against this player. Who's going to win this, this matchup? Cesc Fabregas versus Carl Henry. Well, unless Carl Henry breaks Cesc Fabregas' leg in the opening 10 seconds, well, that's not really Cesc Fabregas is going to win this battle. Fairly straightforward win for uh, Chelsea there, I would imagine. Uh, Arsenal against Burnley as well at uh, 3 o'clock. You're going to be keeping an eye on this one, Nathan. I kind of suspect that Arsene Wenger would have a lot of time for the Sean Dyche approach to football, that they don't really spend a lot of money. They're, they're OK with dealing with the consequences. If it means that Burnley are going to get relegated... Let's so not bank. If we finish seventeenth, yeah, that is massive success. And then next summer we might spend five million on yeah. a player. And 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 if we finished eighteenth, shine. Yeah, we it's, haven't raised everybody's wages. We're not paying anybody eighty grand a week. We're not going to bankrupt the club yeah. just for one season of having a good time. Eight and a half million yeah. in two years he spent. The problem with that is, is that it's boring because Burnley are going to essentially be relegated by Christmas at this rate. The same way Arsenal are going to be out of the title race. By well, already are. Uh, is that it? Supporters really love to be able to dream. Uh, whereas when you don't invest and look at Ipswich, it's been, they haven't really invested greatly. They're going to give it a, a rattle, and they're just outside. I think off the top of my head, of the playoff positions in the championship, and they spent half nothing. Yeah, but they're in the championship. It's a different, it's a different league. I'll, I'll it it is that. literally a different league. <laughs> um, but Arsenal are still fifth. Uh, but again, not going to win the league. Alexis Sanchez has been... In fact, nearly all their summer signings have been quite impressive. Mm. Callum Chambers has done well, probably played a lot more than they expected at right back. Welbeck well, has... What, what was it, like a couple of games in and it was like, Chambers, this is this was the signing of the summer. I think yeah. it's levelled out a little bit from, I think, since then. But, but he's still very solid. Uh, Danny Welbeck settling quickly, getting a few goals. And Alexis Sanchez has been brilliant. Yeah. Like they spoke about Welbeck being the new Henri. Sanchez could be the new Henri. Yeah. Like the two goals last week against Sunderland... The first one where he went down the middle and he just so calmly just chipped it over Minoni. You know, real p- proper finish. Mm. Just his heartbeat slowed down in that moment when he was on and one And then the second one where... That moment in time. He, yeah. caught, <laughs> he caught Minoni out, put him under pressure. Now, again, it was terrible goalkeeping from the Sunderland keeper. But put him under pressure inside the six-yard box, nicks the mm. ball off him. And we were covering the Chelsea match and Keith Andrews was raving about him. You compared him to Mesut Ozil, who in that game is... Well, that's what? not the most amazing Well, this is the thing. Right no, he was, he was looking at the two of them. Yeah. Ozil is walking around like he's like a Mary Poppins. I'm sorry, right. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah, Whereas, yeah, yeah. Compare them negatively. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah Whereas yeah, Sanchez yeah. is getting stuck right in. Interesting you should mention those two names because apparently they've had a little bit of a spat. I don't know what's at the crux of this or what's going on necessarily, but the, there have been suggestions that Sanchez is not all that happy at Arsenal. He's given an interview, I think, with a South American radio station or something to that uh, description. And that he's had a falling out with Mesut Ozil, apparently, and which I was kind of... I found a bit weird, because for well, for many reasons, but primarily because, I don't know, like, Mesut Ozil presumably isn't hanging around the club right now, I don't know, where he's off getting rehabbed or whatever he's doing. Where does he get that? 
in the club. Yeah, but I mean, presumably he's not on the training hanging. pitch. He's not, not as if they're kicking lumps out of each other. And no, but presumably they're still hanging around and perhaps there's, perhaps Sanchez is saying, look what I'm doing. Look at the work rate I'm putting in. <laughs> you imagine he's like going around thumping his chest saying, come on, Meza. Perhaps he is. He's coming from Barcelona. He's someone who's achieved a lot throughout his career already. He hasn't come to Arsenal to is pick that up the avenue pace, though? Like, I would kind of think the avenue there would be to go to Arsene Wenger and say... But perhaps he did. But or I mean, Wenger isn't going to go back and well, go... Go back bitching to his manager. Instead, he goes over to Ozil himself and says, what are you doing? You're p- paid 150 quid a week. That's 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 not uh, 150 quid a week is not necessarily just because good. why just because Alexis Sanchez is from Chile if you he could he could easily have a Roy Keane type personality sorry no this doesn't is nothing to do with, this is this is uh, like uh, this is absolutely nothing to do with why do you hate people from Chile <laughs> I've been there it's good it's a good spot um, yeah I'm not saying anything to do with his nationality all I'm saying is that perhaps that the avenues of these things are not to go up to your teammate Every, like it isn't the Roy Keane model is not necessarily a thing that works all that well for a lot of players. Cur- most most particularly in the current game. I would think the best avenue there is to go to Arsene Wenger and say, I'm not sure that all the players are putting in the exact same effort as I am. Uh, maybe we can address this in some way. Arsene Wenger isn't going to turn around to Mesut Ozil and say, well, Alexis Sanchez came up to me the other day and said that you're a lazy bastard. I think Alexis Sanchez is far better off going straight up to Mesut Ozil because he knows if he's read the dressing room correctly, nobody's going to run up behind Mesut Ozil and go, oh, leave him alone, he's trying his best. When everybody knows he's not trying his best. Unless, of course, the Germans that are there, Mertesacker and Podolski and these guys go, hey. Right. You were. You, how long did you spend on that Telegraph article out there earlier on? That quiz, this bullshit quiz you were doing in the grounds. You need to cut that out. I've been to the chief executive and had a word with him and said we're not all pulling our weight around here. Well, that wouldn't surprise me. Because <laughs> that's the type of thing you do. <laughs> Go behind someone's back instead of just saying it man to man. Shen Long makes his, uh, well, he go- certainly goes back with Southampton to hold whether he'll start or not. We shall see. That's Hull Southampton at the KC Stadium. Leicester City against West Brom. Let's not overly worry about that. Or Stoke against West Ham. Uh, the other one we could just get a quick word on would be Everton Swansea. Uh, Gary Monk has escaped punishment for this nonsense during the week. And uh, the success of Samuel Eto'o in some respects is one of the narratives in the lead into this. A gift from the footballing gods says Roberto, uh, Roberto Martinez. Yeah, and also at the same time, basically telling Samuel Eto'o, that doesn't mean you're going to start this week. You're still not going to play too many yeah. games for us. Yeah, 30, the, He's only 33, mind. I kind of I was the feeling that he was a little bit more than that. Yeah, he has been around for a hell of a long while, time. Yeah. Uh, they do look to be starting to click at long last, Everton. The concern is that front three behind Lukaku, where he still doesn't seem to... Now, maybe he's never going to know. Maybe he wants to change it all the time. Mm. Last week, the three that started were Naismith, Eto'o and Osman which meant Barkley, McGeady, Morales, Pinar didn't start. Does he stick with that again? Does he change it for every match? If yeah. you're changing it for every match, is that part of the problem? Back to the conversation we had earlier on, perhaps, yeah. yeah. And also, I think the um, Coleman's return from injury has helped a little bit. Um, uh, there was some stat with him during the week from Scott. Sky saying that he'd been a positive influence whenever he played. And Leighton Baines, by the way, no defender across any of Europe's top five leagues has created more chance than Leighton Baines, 23. Yeah, that's pretty He's having a good start of the season. And you will presume as well, Leighton Baines and Coleman are kind of players that the opposition teams now target. That one of the first things you say is, don't let those two guys get forward. Yeah. Yet still they're managing to create chances. Gary Monk's wife wasn't too happy this week. What's wrong with that? Hell no. Somebody turned up at their house with a letter of complaint about Gary Monk's managerial style and a few words of advice really? to his house. So she went on Twitter. She was not happy. She took to Twitter. She took to Twitter. When you're taking to Twitter, it's never going to end How well. dare somebody come to my house with me and my kids here? Go to mm. Swansea. Yeah. Tell I him think, to his face. That's kind of a reasonable point. I mean, it depends on what they... It depends on the process of how this uh, letter was delivered, I would think. 
I think was it was hand delivered. Yeah. But Gary Monk was playing it down. I, I would have thought Gary Monk would have gone with your line of, okay, if you've got a problem, <laughs> come to the club, send the letter to the club, please leave yeah. my family home yeah. alone. That's, that's fair Gary's enough. like, he didn't have his name on it. Could have been one of my mates just messing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you probably get, I'm sure, I don't know, maybe they get advice on these things and how best to handle them. Playing it down is probably not a bad uh, route. Uh, by the way, only Chelsea and Southampton, it's a very tough game to call this one, is my main feeling about it. Only Chelsea and Southampton have a better uh, defensive record than Swansea so far this season. They've only conceded 10 goals, which is kind of interesting. But I do feel also they're in sixth place on the table. I do feel it's, well, not just slightly misreading, I think it's very uh, misleading. Um, their wins so far have been against Leicester, West Brom, Burnley and United on the first day of the season when nobody really knew what they were doing. And they've been beaten by the likes of Chelsea and Southampton. I think it's kind of but misleading. I do think they are one of the, uh, these teams who are going to... It's not, not a fair reflection of where Swansea's season will be at. Well, sixth is possibly a little bit high, but the way the results are going, they're beating the teams that they should beat yeah. and they're losing to the teams above them. So if that continues for the season, that'll Mid-table. still see them finish eighth or, eighth or ninth, which for Swansea, yeah. again, anywhere, small. Anywhere between sort of eighth and twelfth is where Swansea is. A very, yeah, sort of it's a good, yeah. a good, it, they're not fighting uh, for survival. It's a good season. There's talk this week that there's an American billionaire having a look, might invest a few quid. And that, if you're in Swansea's position, is probably the best you can hope for. Uh, let's wrap it up with our travels this week. Colin Parkinson made a guest appearance last week and oh. what, what, you got a travel right was that last week or the week before the week before, the week right, before. So how many have you got right I've got none uh, Jerry Gilroy's got none Dave McIntyre's got none and up until a couple of weeks ago you also had a big fat zero oh, but I now have one you have one and Colin Parkinson makes one appearance in the podcast this season and walks away with one what, did he, what, was his, what was his combination of results you have no idea you're shaking your head I haven't a clue I'm sure Everton was probably one of them uh, I can't remember who Everton but who did Everton play last week Everton playing Burnley Burnley and beat Burnley, yeah. yeah. Everybody beats Burnley. Um, anyway, well done, Colm. Yeah, at about 10 to 1. True gritted uh, teeth. And you see, they're bloody good odds. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's that's brave. I haven't gone so brave this week. No, right. Um I've gone for Chelsea uh, to beat QPR. I've gone for Arsenal to beat Burnley. And Come I've on. gone for Southampton to win at Hull. I've just had enough of, of like, taking half gambles and them not coming off. Southampton's win at Hull is the, the only sort of stickler and all that. And anyway, ultimately, it comes in around 2 to 1. <laughs> Dude, I don't care I don't care I just want one All right. I don't care my odds are 20 no 12 to 1 right well you can Not forget bad. about that straight away go on Everton to beat Swansea yeah Southampton to win at Hull and Villa to beat Spurs yeah that last one is a bit of a that, that last one's going to be your undoing if Villa beat Spurs Pochettino could be in serious trouble very quickly I think that would be madness it, madness it's the Premier League it's all about the madness and it's Tottenham uh, Jerry Gellroy has gone for Manchester City to uh, beat United gamble one he's gone for Liverpool to uh, win at Newcastle gamble two and he's gone for Arsenal to beat Burnley which is kind of the one pretty straightforward one and uh, for all of that he's only getting just under uh, four to one so that is uh, the way we're stacked up for this week uh, looking forward to you tweeting yourself dressed up later on when you're around at your neighbours doing whatever you do at your neighbour's house dressed up yeah that's a treat for the listeners. Uh, enjoy yourself. <laughs> All right, thanks. <laughs>